You're listening to Comedy Central. March 7, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. tonight here to talk about her amazing new memoir. Author Therese Marie Myatt is joining us, everybody. It's gonna be a great conversation. And, and can I just say, before we get into the show, thank you guys for coming out in the middle of a storm. I appreciate it, this is amazing. Yeah. The whole city of New York is basically shut down and these people were like, no, we're not shutting down anything. In fact, I wasn't coming to work and then they were like, uh, the audience is here. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going. So let's get into it. First up. We've got some breaking vape allegations. A new study out tonight warns that vaping, especially by teenagers, may be more dangerous than many believe. Research found those who used fruit flavor products had significantly higher levels of five toxic chemicals. The toxicants that we found in these teenagers are the same toxicants that we find in traditional smokers, just in lower levels. I would expect to find similar side effects such as heart disease and cancer down the road. Okay, hold up. You mean to tell me that inhaling liquid made in an unregistered Cambodian chemical plant is bad for me? <laughs> but the guy at the store with the marijuana leaf face tattoo said it was safe. I think he was a doctor, I think he was. Yeah, but this, come on, this surely should be the end of vaping, right? Because now you get cancer and you look like a douchebag. Seriously. <laughs> like, there's a reason that no one cool ever vapes in movies. I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. <laughs> James Bond. First Bond to never get laid. <laughs> Let's move on now to Uber, the vape pen of taxis. Since the launch of the ride-sharing service, taxi drivers all over the world have complained that because Uber is largely unregulated, it has hurt the taxi industry. And by taxi industry, I mean the industry of convincing passengers to ride in their stained Peugeots. Uh, <laughs> Stop complaining, it's the essence of life. <laughs> so after years of watching their business dwindle, taxi drivers in Greece have decided to hurt Uber back. Athens, Greece is the latest place where taxi drivers are striking. Today, they are walking off the job in protest over unfair competition coming from Uber. I feel you guys, man, I feel you guys. That's the same thing I do when my Uber's late. I feel you, man. Yeah, and look, I, I know these guys are angry, but some of their protests just look funny, right? Like, look at that guy, what is he doing? <laughs> like, look at, I've never seen a real life person do this in anger. He's like a Greek Donkey Kong, that's what he looks like. <laughs> and by the way, you, you realize it's no coincidence that an Uber just happened to be in the middle of a protest, right? Like, one of the taxi drivers must have called that Uber to the protest. <laughs> like, that's a pretty dick move. He was just like calling Uber now, and the driver was like, where are you? Don't worry, you'll see me, you'll see me. Yeah, I like to think that after the protest, because all the taxi drivers were on strike, they had to Uber home. They were like, all right, that was fun, yeah. Okay, let's call that guy back and hope he doesn't recognize us, yeah? Hey, buddy. <laughs> but let's move on to another technology that is disrupting the world. President Trump's Twitter. 
Yesterday morning, the president tweeted, the new fake news narrative is that there is chaos in the White House. Wrong. There is no chaos, only great energy. <laughs> I gotta say, man, if this whole president thing doesn't work out, Trump would be dope at writing fortune cookies, huh? Eh? <laughs> there is no chaos, only great energy. Your lucky number is 69. It's always 69. Now look, uh, Trump always says things that are easily disproved, but yesterday was particularly entertaining because at 7.55 a.m., he tweeted, no chaos. And then the rest of the day was nothing but chaos. <laughs> Literally just a few hours after he declared Tuesday, no chaos, great energy day, news broke that the counsel to the president and evil Disney stepmom, Kellyanne Conway, <laughs> had apparently broken the law. We've got this breaking news now, and it has to do with advisor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, the U.S. Office of Special Counsel, which says that it has looked and found evidence that Kellyanne Conway violated the Hatch Act. Conway broke the law prohibiting government officials from using their position to influence political campaigns. The watchdog says Conway went on TV twice to discuss the candidates in last year's Alabama Senate race. I always thought Kellyanne Conway being on TV was a crime. I just didn't know I was right. <laughs> because I mean, the Hatch Act, I, I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah, but that's what's great about the Trump administration. We're learning about all of America's laws because they keep on breaking them. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of Trump's term, we're all gonna be legal scholars. The Hatch Act, the Logan Act, the Emoluments Clause, I rest my case. <laughs> but still, just because your top advisor was found breaking the law doesn't mean you're in chaos. So the president came out to assure everyone that everything in the White House was no chaos, great energy. The White House has tremendous energy. It has tremendous spirit. It is a great place to be working. Uh, many, many people want every single job. You know, I read where, oh, gee, maybe people don't want to work for Trump, but believe me, everybody wants to work in the White House. Phew, thank God. <laughs> I believe him, yeah. Everybody wants to work in the White House. No chaos, great energy. We're following breaking news. Another high-level White House official is leaving. President Trump's top economic advisor, Gary Cohn, is resigning. Gary Cohn becoming the latest in a string of White House advisors to abandon ship. Uh, White House advisors abandoning ship? That's chaos, not great energy. <laughs> People don't abandon ships when there's great energy, Mr. President. Unless maybe I missed that scene in the Titanic. There was too much great energy! I cry every time. Okay, but look, but look, maybe I'm being a hater, right? One advisor caught breaking the law, another advisor quit. It's a bad day, but it's not exactly chaos. Right, and the day was basically over, so what else could possibly go... Breaking news this very hour. NBC News reporting tonight that adult film actress Stormy Daniels is suing the president of the United States, Donald Trump, saying the hush agreement she signed is invalid because Trump never signed it. You know... <laughs> this is amazing. I mean, usually porn plots only last like 30 seconds, but this one just keeps on going and going and going. How incompetent are you if you didn't sign your own NDA? <laughs> the same guy who slaps his name on everything. Buildings, vodka, the least sexy Twilight vampire. <laughs> everything. 
except the NDA. So to recap, to recap, in the 12 hours following the everything's fine tweet, a senior counselor busted breaking the law, a senior advisor said, F this, I'm out. And a senior citizen apparently forgot to sign the hush money contract with his porn star mistress. <laughs> like, I don't wanna say the presence is wrong, but this seems like chaos. Yeah. In fact, at this point, I bet even chaos is like, nah, this is too crazy for me. You need to take this up <laughs> with bad shit. Yeah, this is not me. You know what would be amazing? I was thinking about this earlier. You know what would be amazing? Is if Melania ends up divorcing Trump over this porn star thing, and then she somehow wins the White House in the divorce. <laughs> right? But, 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 but he's, still, he's still president, so now he's running the government out of a room at the Motel 6. <laughs> like, he's leaning over the sink, eating ramen noodles, going, no chaos, great energy. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight shares her experiences growing up on a small Indian reservation in British Columbia in her critically acclaimed debut book, Heartberries, a memoir. Please welcome Therese Marie Myatt. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for this book. This is an experience that I think few people would envy, but most people would connect to. It is a memoir of your life that is written, and it's honestly one of the most authentic points of view I've ever come across. Uh, When you were writing the book, one thing I wanted to discover from the beginning was, was it hard for you to figure out how to be the voice of uh, American Indian people, but at the same time realize that you're not the voice for American Indian people. It's an interesting balance to have. Yeah, I think when you come from a collective culture, like a community that relies on each other, and when you speak out against violence against um, indigenous women, and when you speak out against um, the way we're treated and the way disparity is working against our bodies and who we are, like, I feel like sometimes when I'm talking, I feel representative, and then I remember, oh, this is a singular story, like this is what happened to me, and I feel like if I can speak out, I'm gonna encourage other women to do so as well, um, and hold up their voices when they do. So, you know, and that's how I relieve the pressure of of feeling like, okay, I'm not speaking for all indigenous women, but I am helping, you know? When you look at your story, and you, the the, the time that you've gone through, you, you, you speak about it in a painful way, in an authentic way, but in an, in an uplifting way at the same time. I mean, there's, there's times where you talk about growing up on the res. As a, as a, as a native person, do you find that you, that you connect with your world in a different way to how people perceive your world? Yeah, I mean, I grew up, my mother was a healer and my mother was so powerful and also, um, you know, exploited, her work was exploited, um, and she was living um, in a community where we were surviving on welfare, and sometimes she was um, employed and working 70 hours a week, and she had to neglect us to stay afloat, you know, so like, but really, there were so many moments where we would collect medicine together, and we would um, pray by the river almost daily, and she helped me see the world as familial, familial, and she helped me, see the world as, as, something, as something sacred, quote unquote sacred, you right. know? Well, yeah. When you look at that relationship, 
between yourself and your mother. Do you think that her introducing you to that world and having you live an authentic native or indigenous experience helped you or hindered you in assimilating to the world that was around you? And then do you think that's a good or a bad thing? It's difficult because she was resistant to let me um, fall into trying to please people within academic institutions at school. Right. She was like, this is a choice and it was not created to hold up indigenous people. It was created to assimilate them into um, a, a white culture. Um, so she, she always tried to make me critical of the world and I thank her for that, but it also hindered me a lot because I just wanted to be normal too, you right. know? And I think, you know, ultimately it helped because my voice is, is the voice I grew up around. The voice um, that the book is, is getting attention for is, is the one she gave me. Right, and it, yeah. it, it, is a, it is a voice that is apparent throughout the book. Yeah. As you're telling your stories, um, one thing becomes apparent, and that is there's so many different themes. There's your life on the reservation. There's your life within the family, which is, which is a different experience as well. You share a, a heart-wrenching tale of discovering that your father was abusing you, which is something that's, that's hard to comprehend. What did you go through when you discovered that? And what did you mean by you discovered it? Yeah, I think when you have, when you had, I told my mother when I was young that I had been abused by my father and her reaction was negligent. Her reaction was to kind of question if it really happened because she couldn't believe it because it would say something about her as a mother too and right. her ability to protect me. So she kind of didn't deal with it in the right way, which then again at, at 16, I let her know again that I, th I think this happened, mom. Like I remember these few few details and you know, I, I told her and trusted her to hold that space for me, but she was not prepared, you know? And so I kind of just tried to forget and I think when you do that active forgetting and you, and you think, okay, well, you know, this person didn't listen to me, who I trusted so much, right. and who I still trust so much and love so much, you mitigate and you think, well, I guess it didn't happen, or I guess I misremembered. And then you realize when you're at the age I was, which was like, I, th I think I was 32, and I realized, no, I, I would like to talk about this now because she's long gone and all I have is myself and I really need to get over and, you know, I need to look at this and I need to talk about it. Right. Yeah. When you look at your experiences growing up and the world you grew up in and your relationship with your father and your mother, do you find that those things contributed to the stage in the book where you talk about having to institutionalize yourself? And what was that like? What is the conversation someone has with themselves where they go, I have mental health issues, I need to address this? Is, is there a shame? Is there a fear? And how do you overcome that? Yeah, there's the stigma when we are vulnerable and we realize, oh, I'm crying more than I should. I, I feel debilitated, like I can't go to work and I can't function. There's this um, urge and people encourage it that we just get over it and go to work, that we just don't deal with it. But then, you know, I broke down after trying to just get over it and deal you know deal with the the day-to-day -day aspect of life i broke down and i had to realize that like my mental health was more important than um going to work you know and i think i had the luxury at the time that it happened where i 
actually, no, I was evicted after I checked myself in. So right. it really does have these effects. You have to have the luxury of having, being able to have a breakdown. A lot of people don't. You know, a lot of people can't just check themselves in when they do. Their life has changed forever. And I was just kind of lucky in that things did fall apart after that. But I really, I wasn't willing to give up hope. You know, that was the last thing. I, I, I'm still holding it. You right. know? And that, that is a thread that is apparent throughout the book is hope, you know, from a yeah. hopeless place moving forward to the space you're living in now in a loving relationship with your yeah. kids and with your husband and surrounded by friends and your community, which I feel is a big part of the story. How important is it or why do you think it's so important for indigenous voices to be heard in their most authentic way as opposed to being told from the view of somebody on the outside? Yeah, I think for a long time, people have engaged with our communities with, with the hope to fix it and save us, you know? And I think um, we never wanted that. We don't need missionaries. We need um, to do things for ourselves and also um, for people to stop exploiting us and our land and our resources and saying that we're doing it to ourselves when we're poor. You right. know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah, so I think it's... I don't know. I mean, I, I look at it and I think when I look at this book, I know that like a native woman who's probably a single mom and she might be on welfare, she might go into a library and she might see a book from a woman from her circumstance. Right. You know, and I, I like it. I think there should be more of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think I agree with you. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful story. You have honestly one of the most amazing voices when it comes to putting it down on the page. Thank you so much Thank for being you. on the show. <laughs> A beautiful memoir is available now. Therese Marie Myatt, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.